You know, we're on a journey. And a lot of times we, we think about a journey as finally getting to the destination so we can turn around and go back. But a journey with God is different. Because the journey of God, you go into the depths of who God is. And it never stops. Because you never can plumb the depth of who he is in his character, in his person, in his richness, in his wisdom. And every step along the way, it's going to be fresh. And I really believe what, what happens to us and the reason that it stops becoming fresh is because we think it's all about going someplace and then turning around and coming back. As if we were going on a vacation or an excursion. But it's more than that. Do you realize that God created you in His image with an infinite capacity to understand Him? And we are the only ones that block that, the, the flow of what God wants to do in us and through us. So we reduce Christianity down to just kind of going to church, doing a couple of nice religious things along the way, and hoping that someone says good, something good about us when we die. And that becomes Christianity. What if Christianity was you daily engaging with God in such a powerful way that he was transforming you into the image of the invisible God and you were having a capacity for wisdom and understanding and knowledge that went way beyond what you could ever imagine? And the beauty of it, you were so caught up in his presence, you were unaware of the transformation like Moses when he went up on the mountain there and he was unaware of the glory that was upon his face. The Israelites saw it and they were, they were shocked because he'd been with God, and, and he didn't know the glory was fading, but he had to stay in the presence of God to stay in the glory of God. When you're on a journey, there's a couple of things that are important. Here's the first one in the Wilderness Report. It is this truth. See if you've ever heard this one. If you know it, you can say it with me. You can be in the middle of a miracle and not know it. I was sitting at lunch with someone the other day and, and I was talking about something and some of the challenges and they looked at me and I wasn't prepared for them to say, you can be in the middle of a miracle and not know it. I said, I love that. Now we're doing this speech that's going back and forth because God could very well be doing something in your life right now and you don't know what he's doing. But he's working something in you and through you in a marvelous way. Here's the second thing. The journey is the destination. The journey is the destination. Do you realize what God is doing in his church and in his people? He's shaping his church for her, her eternal role of reigning and ruling with Christ in eternity. Revelation chapter 1 says that to those who overcome will I grant to sit with me on my throne. No wonder it says in Ephesians that, that we are lifted up, we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus far above all principalities and powers, far above every name that has ever been named in this age or in the age to come. He's telling us that positionally we're in Christ, in heavenly places. That's what God is preparing you for. In this wilderness, this third part of this journey is that servanthood is perfected in adversity. Servanthood is perfected in eternity. You know, when you think about the journey that we've been on, it really has been a journey of the miraculous. Starting on 2-12-12 with just a, really a handful of people in a small house and then finding our way down the road to Savvy Ranch and creating traffic jams there and confusing people thinking that it was a house auction. 
Some of those people were wandering into that service thinking, what is going on here? And then we went down to El Rancho, and no wonder we've coined the term, we are the gypsy church. We just keep traveling on. I'm still waiting for that Airstream trailer, by the way, as an office. I don't know. Somebody's holding up. The God, I know God's talking to some of you about that Airstream for me, but right now there's blockage there. But God birthed the church, and today marks another step in that journey that we're on in this birthing of what God is doing. But really it is this journey to find and to be in the middle of the presence of Almighty God. You know, in the wilderness, there's one thing that's always true, and that's uncertainty. My wife said to me, I'll be glad when this week is over. And I said, why? So you will just be able to realize it's actually going to work in a theater. And all week, oh, I'm going, oh, is this going to work? We're going to two different locations, three different locations, different times. What are people going to do? And then I realized, well, they'll figure it out. Amen? <laughs> they'll just figure it out. I kind of came to that realization this morning. I, I had to sweat all week long. But also, on this journey, it's about the unknown. You know what the unknown is good for? It's for faith. We are to walk by faith and not by, what's that word? Sight. I like to walk by sight. How about you? I want to know what God is mapping out, what God is doing. God, tell me in advance. Send me a text so I can be prepared for the next step in the journey. God says, uh, when I ask God questions, and see if you have this, I go, God, can you give me the answer to this? What's that, God? I didn't hear you. Oh, it's faith. You'll tell me what I did afterwards, right? Also on the journey is the journey that brings the favor of God in your life. When you stop the journey, the favor stops. When you get content in your Christianity, we don't challenge yourself spiritually, the journey stops. The journey is a presence, is a journey into the presence of God himself, and today it's a journey into servanthood. I want to show you a video that we shot um, several months ago. It's a time-lapse video. You've seen it. Some of you have seen it. Um, but it, it demonstrates a bit of servanthood, a bit of what goes on before uh, a lot of you ever get here. So let's watch this short little video. chapter is chapter 21 of Exodus because we've just left the Ten Commandments. And when I read it, I turned the page and I said, really God, this is what's next in the journey? Listen to the word. Now these are the judgments which you shall set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years and in the seventh year he shall go free and pay nothing. And I'm thinking, really God? 
Why would you leave the Ten Commandments and move into this idea of laws concerning slavery? You realize that Israel at this point in their history has just left Egypt being more slaves for more than 400 years. And the first thing that God says after he sets up these Ten Commandments, he says, now, let me talk to you about slavery. See, he knew that built into their very DNA was this idea that slavery was workable and, and slavery was okay. But what God did in his, in his wisdom is he showed them how slavery comes to an end. And we oftentimes think of slavery in terms of modern-day slavery and the tragedy that happened in America uh, several hundred years ago. But really, slavery is a, is a historical thing that goes way, way back, and it, it's still going on worldwide in different forms. Sometimes people would sell themselves into slavery just to pay off a debt. But look what God says here in verse 3. If he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master has given him a wife and she has borne him sons or daughter, the wife and the children shall be her masters and go out by himself. But if the servant, but if the servant plainly says, I love my master. Remember, everything that has been written is written for our instruction and for our guidance. And right now, there should be something under your breath that says, I love my master, King Jesus. I love my master. I love my wife. I love my children. I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to the judges, and he shall bring him to the door or to the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an awe, and he shall serve him forever. This servant has been set free. He's under no obligation to serve, and yet he does it with the purest of motives. What would happen if each one of us would serve God with the purest of motive to relinquish rights? I've got to tell you, there's a picture that somebody took when we first started moving over there at El Rancho, and I'm, I'm, I'm somehow underneath all this, this scaffolding kind of stuff, and I'm digging chairs out from underneath the stage. It's one of my favorite pictures. It's not real complimentary. But I got to tell you, greatest joy of my life has been serving at Influence Church. It's not preaching. I love to preach, but it's been serving. It's been showing up and setting up a, a, an easy up to showing up to taking down a chair to hauling a speaker. And there are days where, you know, we're, we're hauling stuff. And I look around and I'm going, is this all that's left to take all this stuff out? And, I, and God just gives me a heart of love. You know, Jesus was servant of all. We can't really be like him unless we're servant of all. We have to have that transformation in our life. I want to talk to you about three principles of servanthood. And the first one is the heart of a servant. The heart of a servant. It's shaped by the experience that we endure in our life. It's shaped by the things in life that, that, that sometimes aren't always comfortable. And it's proven over time. You know, anybody can show up once and do something. A real servant is somebody that says, this is my life ambition. This is what I do. This is why I exist. I exist to serve God. It is powerful motivator. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 12. He said, most assuredly I say unto you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies... It remains alone, but if it dies, 
It produces much grain. And you know what he's telling us here? i got to die. You have to die. Jesus had to die. If Jesus was going to bring forth disciples, he had to die. But it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, my Father will honor. How'd you like to have the Father honor you? I want to honor you, says the Father, because you serve me. I wonder why sometimes we're not experiencing more of this honor from the Father, and I think it's because we're not filled with the Spirit of God. We live our life as though it's just kind of going through the mechanics of Christianity. It's so much more than that. You see, He's resident in you if you know Him, but He may not be reigning over your life, may not be Lord of your life. So the Spirit can be present and yet not powerful in you or in me. Let me ask you this question. Is there anything that God is asking of you that you're unwilling to give or to do? Have you ever had that little voice from God and you say, yeah, that, I really should do that? Or that's a good idea, God, but you don't do that. What if that's keeping you from that next step of spiritual power and authority in the kingdom realm? See, there must be a day when, when we, without reservation, we surrender ourselves, our possessions, our business, our time, our everything to Him. And we have a coronation service and we crown Him the King of our life. In Psalm 75, verses 25 and 26, listen to what the psalmist said. Whom do I have in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God, God is the strength of my heart and He is the, my portion forever. In John 6, 38, it says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. You see, we also have the freedom to choose. But the servant plainly says, if he says, I love my master, I love my wife, I love my children, and I will not go out free, you see, we have to have freedom to choose. You see, I'm free to choose when, when, when love is more powerful than difficulty. An easy path is not always the best choice. You see, the full story of what happens to the slave who's sent out is not given to us right there in, in Exodus. We have to go to Deuteronomy chapter 15 to get more of the story. You see, when the, when the master turned the slave loose, you know what he did? He gave him favor in his going out. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy 15, 13 and following. And when you send him away free from you, you shall not let him go empty-handed. You shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, from your wine press, from what the Lord has blessed you with. You shall give to him. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. I was in a local coffee shop this past week. And there was a lady that was in a hurry, and she was there, and her friend was waiting over here, and I was sitting over in the corner because I knew I was way back on the lineup of getting my coffee. And so I was kind of watching, and she was in a hurry, and you could tell she was trying to pressure the guy to get in a hurry. And, you know, those things never going to, it's not going to turn out good. You just know something's going to happen. 
So she gets a little bit mad and she grabs the glass and when she does, it just, the top pops off. It starts going all over. She's frustrated. She's embarrassed. I feel bad for the woman. And then there's a little teenage girl over here to the left. And she's, she's watching the whole thing. She runs over and she grabs stacks of napkins and she gets down on her hands and knees. She doesn't know this woman. She hasn't been watching the scene. She exemplified this heart of a servant, and she's literally down on her knees. She goes over and gets more. She gets back down on her knees, and she's cleaning up this whole thing. And I watched that whole thing unfold, and I thought to myself, there's a servant. The woman who spilled the coffee never got down to pick anything up. She kind of scooped it up on the shelf, but she didn't get down. I thought, you know, God, I want to be like that girl. I want to have that kind of a heart for service. I want to be able to say, God, I want to serve you. See, whether she knew it or not, she was just living out what Jesus modeled his disciples day in and day out. When the Spirit of God is living and when the Spirit of God is filling, when the Spirit of God is guiding your life, with each filling in your life, there's an increased capacity for his presence. Now listen to that. You may have never heard that quite like that before. With each filling of His Spirit, there is an increased capacity for His presence in your life. You see, needing to be refilled in your life is not a sign that something is wrong, but rather you desire more of the Spirit. You should be desiring the filling of the Spirit each and every day in greater and greater ways and greater and greater capacities. You know, being, the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is when you're full. If I took a glass and I filled it up with water, you know it's full when it starts, gets to the top, but you know it's really full when it starts to flow over. And what we want to do is we want to overflow with the presence of God. So that we, when we begin to talk about God, when we begin to minister God to people, people are, they're not getting us, they're getting the presence of God. They're feeling in the presence of God. In Ezekiel chapter 39 and 29, it says, I will not hide my face from them anymore, for I have poured out my spirit. And God takes this idea of the face of God and the spirit of God, and he weds them together. When you, when you feel this pouring out of the spirit of God, when you live in the spirit of God, you're experiencing the face of God. In Proverbs chapter uh, 16, it says, In the light of a king's face is life. And his favor is like a cloud of the latter rain. When I encounter the face of God, when, when Moses went up on the mountain and he encountered the face of God, he came into the presence of God and he was clearly different. I've noticed when I begin to, to, to think about life and think about problems and, and do that, I, I tend to kind of miss out. But if I just interject in, let me tell you what God is doing. Let me tell you how powerfully God is working. And I begin to talk about God's kingdom and God's presence. His presence shows up. We invite his presence in. This servant was, had voluntarily pledged himself to perpetual service. He said, I will not go out. His choice was irrevocable. He could never go back and say, I've changed my mind. But when he did, you realize that it was the master who took him to the doorpost of his own house, and it was there that he took that hammer and that awe and he pounded a hole in his ear. And every time the master came in the door, he would see the mark of his servant. And he would be reminded that man could have gone free, but he chose to serve me. 
And you see, when you go to the doorpost with God, every time God goes in and out of glory, he looks on that doorpost, he sees that mark, and he says, you could have gone free, you could have done what you wanted, but you chose to serve me. He was entering in, and we enter into a higher level of a relationship with our master. When we really serve him with a pure heart, we gain access. We gain access to the realm where the master dwells. No wonder it tells us that we have this access into the throne room of the king in the book of Romans. No wonder it tells us in Hebrews that we, have, we can come boldly before the throne of grace, whereby we might receive mercy. You see, this, this servant was choosing to live in the presence of his master. I know what it's like to live outside of his presence, don't you? It feels different. It, it, it doesn't seem to be as good and free and, and happy, but when I live into the presence of God, it's different. And I'll say this, that you and I have as much of his presence as we want. We just tend to live our life like we don't want much of it. In Philippians 3.8 it says, But what things uh, were gained to me, these things I have counted lost for Christ. I read an article and it was written in Forbes magazine. It was talking about the super rich and they're very concerned about the economy and they're so concerned that maybe half of their wealth might disappear. And I, as I shed a couple of crocodile tears for this billionaire, I thought to myself, you know, I can understand that being a burden for him. I mean, nobody wants to lose money. Nobody wants to see their wealth diminish. But for him, it was the greatest problem he seemed to be facing in life. I think the greatest problem we face in life is the deplenishing of the Spirit of God in our life when we don't live in His presence. What things that, that were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. I'm going to give all this up so I can have Christ Jesus, my Lord. Let's talk a little bit about the power of love. The power of love. We were able to keep uh, Crosby. We have two grand boys, all right? We have Cruz and Crosby. Crosby uh, is, is known affectionately by his older brother as Crossbones. He was born on Valentine's Day, which I'm sure is just going to make him a real win with all the girls. Now, this guy's got to be romantic, doesn't he? So we had duty. Really, my wife had duty. I found out how well I can sleep when Crosby's in our house. You know, I'll hear her come back in. I go, oh, is, did he get up? And I watched my wife serve our little grandson with a pure heart. You know, it's one thing to keep kids. It's another thing to keep them and really want to keep them. You know what I'm talking about? I'm keeping you on the outside, but on the inside, I don't really want you around here. And I just love this idea of just serving and serving and loving and loving. The power of love. The master shall bring him to the judges. They want to verify, do you really want to give up your life and your rights? He shall bring him to the door, to the doorpost. His master shall pierce his ear with an awe, and he shall serve him forever. Jesus said this in Mark 10. Whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Philippians 2, 6 and 7 says this, Let this mind be in you which was also yours in Christ Jesus 
who being in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself of no reputation. I had a guy say to me, I, I told him, I said, you know, sometimes I'm worried about what people think about me. He says, people aren't thinking about you at all. I go, you know, that was the most liberating thing I ever heard. I go, you're right. They got enough to think about in their own life. They don't have time to think about me. They're thinking about their life. Jesus said he became of no reputation. The son of the living God. Taking on the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men. He became obedient unto the cross. Even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, every knee on planet Earth will bow to the name of Jesus. It's just about it's better, it's when are they going to do it and in what situation. Some are going to do it as Lord and some are going to do it out of submission because they've realized they've missed out on what God wanted for them. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his love for us. He demonstrated it. Have you demonstrated your love for somebody lately? Think about that. He stretched out his arms, and he said, this is how much I love you. And he died. And the pain he felt and the agony he felt as he cried there in anguish on the cross was the anguish of your sins being reviewed in his spirit one by one. And as he did, the only apt thing he could say is, Father, forgive them. Not just those who crucified me. Forgive them all the sins of the world. Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. God demonstrates his own love for us. While, yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Do you know Christ died for you? It's easy to say it. Have you really realized what that means? You see, Christ died and he rose again to give us life. And, and without that, that relationship with God, we have no salvation. There is no salvation apart from Jesus Christ. We're not saved because we're baptized or go to church. We're not saved because we call ourselves a Christian. We come to this relationship with him because we recognize that our sins separate us from God, that his death was in our place, his resurrection was necessary for us to have new life. And our faith in that is what brings about this transformation we call salvation. And it cannot happen and you not know it. Any more than you can be born and not know that. It is transformational. Because when you believe on Him, the Spirit of God comes inside of you and you become the temple of the living God. And everything about you transforms. Little by little you're being changed into the likeness of the glory of God. And you go from one degree of glory to another because you're coming into his presence. And I recognize some of you may not know him. You know about him, but you don't know him. And I want to just plead with you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the scripture says, so as to be saved, so as to be transformed so as to have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, here's the promise, we will be saved. We will be saved. And then when we start that journey of salvation, it's a journey of servanthood. Listen to these applications. 
The power of choice is in your hands. I can't choose for you and you can't choose for me. It's in your hands. What will you do with it? Will you choose to walk closer to God or further from God? And also, we ask this question, isn't it time for you, for me, for all of us to go to the doorpost? Say, God, I give up my rights. I can't do this without you. I yield to you completely, 100%. Jesus, take my life. Serve the Lord with your heart, with diligence. And in that, you're, shape, you're being shaped into his very image for the glory of God. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, as we pray, we are, uh, God, we are so aware of how short we come of who you are and your presence and power in our life. God, I pray that every person here, God, will feel and will sense the very presence of God. And God, as we, as we move now to this time of dedication, this time of worship, Father, where we sing and we reflect on what's been said to us by your Spirit, how the worship has ministered to us and how your word has ministered to us, God, I pray that each and every one of us will come to a place of moving to the doorpost, of recognizing that's where we need to be, that's where we have to be to experience life and life abundantly. If you've received Christ today, if you've prayed a prayer and said, God, save me, and you've believed on that, I'm going to ask you right now, just as we kind of sit here with our eyes closed in this in the stillness of this moment. Would you just lift your hand up? Today I prayed and received Christ. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone? Yes, amen. Anyone else? Just raise your hand up. God bless you. I see you back there in the back. God bless Anybody else? Yes, God bless you in the center. About 15 people today. Let me tell, let me just speak to you for a minute. You can put your hand down. Let me speak to you for a minute. Your prayer of faith secured your salvation for all eternity. You are on the first day of a great journey, a journey into the presence of God. You may not know which way to navigate and how to navigate. We want to help you with that, and you need to let us know that that was your decision today and let us help you get on a path of walking with God and worshiping God. God's smiling, and the heavens are clapping because you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's all stand together now and worship and sing praises to him.